0: Hi, family. Welcome to Live Your Best Life with me, Liz Wright. And you are in for a treat today. I have felt so strongly in my spirit to invite my special guest on today because he is a man that is full of humility and love. He is the founder of Father Heart Ministries. And um, in his capacity as an international prophet, he has traveled all over the world speaking to the poorest of the poor as well as influences of nations kings presidents and his story his god story um, when i first heard him speak i was stunned i was absolutely speechless his life literally is a is proof he's living proof of how much father loves us and of the absolute power of the prophetic word when God speaks what happens in our lives so without any I don't want to say anything else I just wanted to honor him I want him to tell his own story but it is my absolute joy and honor to welcome into today's show David Wagner David welcome
1: thank you Liz thanks for having me and hello Kingdom family what a great time to be alive and serving Jesus I believe there's no time like this time in the earth. We're actually living in times. I think the early apostles would be jealous to be living in this moment uh, because in these moments, revivals break out. In these moments, transformations take place. And revival and transformation begins on the inside of each one of us. I think we're often looking for events, but God is looking for people. And, um, you know, the other night I was in a prayer and worship event, Liz, and the Lord said, I don't just want to fill the room. I want to fill you. And, wow. and you know, that may sound simple, but in a room full of a, a couple hundred people just going after God, uh, this God who's very corporate to us is always very personal and, uh, you know, very intentional with each of us. And, and that's my story. You know, uh, mm. I used to start my testimony with, I wasted the first 26 years of my life. And about four years ago, five years ago now, the Lord just stopped me and said, you can't say that anymore because I don't waste anything. I don't waste a tear or a prayer. And and it's true, my mom and, you know, God didn't waste my mother's prayers and my grandmother's prayers, nor did he waste his breath when he spoke yeah. me into existence or when he spoke over my life. And, uh, you know, I had a, an encounter with God when I was six years old. That yeah, I, didn't I was going
0: to say, will you yeah. start there, David, because yeah. it's just... Your story is amazing. Okay, please just share. It's just amazing. Just listen, 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 family. As David begins to share, I just, if you can right now, stop your world for the next half an hour and just open your heart wide and listen because this will fill you with hope and just, I I know, I know. (laughs) Go, 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 David.
1: So, yeah, when I was when I was six years old, um, my father had died. I'm the youngest of five kids, and uh, I was raised by my mom. And uh, my mom and grandma uh, did something very mean to me. Uh, they made me go to church, and um, so I was in church every Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, all of those things. And um, uh, my father had passed uh, a week before Christmas when I was six, and um, I remember at some point in the spring of that year, just playing in my room, minding my own business, uh, slamming uh, my Tonka trucks into the baseboards, which my mother didn't like very much, and uh, playing with GI Joes. And all of a sudden, Holy Spirit just dropped in my room uh, and just said, son, I've called you to go around the world preaching the gospel, wherever you go lies, be touched and changed. And I didn't know any better as wow. a six-year-old boy. I put a a robe on because preachers wore robes. I made a fake microphone. I lined up all my stuff to animals and uh, and just started preaching. And my uh, right about the time that teddy bear was about to lift his paw and give his life to Jesus, and I think G.I. Joe was going to come in and get his arm put back on uh, in my healing line, um, my mom and grandmother walked in and said, what are you doing? And I said, the Lord spoke to me. And it started me on this journey. We I was raised in a wonderful uh, tradition but uh, a move of the holy spirit or the lord speaking to us wasn't very common and uh, you know i think as a young boy i was uh, misunderstood sometimes and you know i think walking through the the grief and everything of of my dad it led me into uh, in that misunderstanding as uh, as being diagnosed as mentally ill. And so as a young boy, I was diagnosed as, uh, schizo, uh, had schizoaffective disorder, schizophrenia, and, um, and struggle with depression. And so, uh, wow. by the time I was seven, I was, uh, you know, smoking cigarettes. Nine, I was stealing a beer here and there trying to, to numb the pain of, of life. At 13, I tried to hang myself in the rafters of, uh, of our garage and, uh, the rope broke. I tried to, um, at 17, tried to drive my car in Lake Michigan. Somehow, miraculously, uh, it ran out of gas. It was a full tank, but uh, somehow a hole got put in the gas tank. Tried to do it again a few months later and um, hit a semi truck. But I didn't get a bump, a bruise, or a scratch. I had my seatbelt on. I wanted to die. I really didn't want to get hurt. And um, and uh, you know, I was pretty miserable. Barely graduated high school. Got into uh, college uh, on a choir scholarship and. And uh, I was just trying to to do life, and um, and ended up, you know, uh, through some work of, of, of God, I ended up being a policeman uh, for uh, about five years. I was doing uh, really well, and um, but I couldn't stop drinking, and that didn't allow me to show up to work on time. Just I was an angry young man as well, and so I was given the opportunity to resign or be fired, and so I uh, took a thirty eight special. Uh, smith and wesson revolver i put it to my head uh, i pulled the trigger as many times as i could and i couldn't get the gun to fire although it was fully loaded and uh, so i grabbed a a glock 17 9 millimeter put it to my head and pulled the trigger repeatedly and um, when my friends from the police department i used to work for and a few others came in they recovered the weapons and uh, uh, the, every one of the bullets in the revolver had been fired it just didn't come out of the gun and uh, when they recovered the nine millimeter, uh, there was a, a, a bullet at the end, one right behind it, and one coming out of the clip. And somehow, miraculously, God just uh, he, he intervened. Uh, on uh, in, on wow. Easter Sunday of 1994, my grandmother had uh, a massive stroke. And uh, I was super drunk that day, but heard the message on my answering machine from my sister if I wanted to say goodbye to my grandma. Uh, I needed to get to the to the nursing home, and uh, so I went, and um, my grandmother was in a coma, had the death rattle going on. you could hear the, the her lungs filling with fluid. And uh, as we were saying goodbye, she sat straight up in the bed and started singing an old hymn, "My Jesus, I love thee, I know thou art mine to thee all the folly of sin I resign. And she went back out and came up three more times and finished the song. Uh, we said goodbye about two in the morning expecting her to pass. And uh, I went back the next day about 8, 8.30, and my little grandmother was sitting up in the bed drinking tea and uh, eating a, a, a piece of toast. And uh, she said, David, I know you were here last night, and um, it was my night to go home and be with the Lord, but he told, He kept me alive to tell you this. Uh, he won't relent. He won't repent. He's not changed his mind about you. He's called you to go around the world preaching the gospel wherever you go, lives will be touched and changed. And and uh, I I didn't know how to respond to that. Um, I I could maybe understand that God loved me uh, and those things, but uh, I couldn't see how he could could use me, and uh, 15 minutes later, my grandmother went home uh, to be with the Lord. Um, I went running from God, moved to a different state, uh, was doing all the things you shouldn't do, Uh, 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 you know, and I was just trying to uh, just trying to 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 make a life for myself i, I met a girl uh, and uh, she had a crazy christian mother who believed the whole bible and um, um, and so we would go over there and she would say i'm praying for you and I'd say don't pray for me pray for yourself she said i love you I'd say don't love me i hate you all of those things and the unthinkable thing happened the the girl gave her life fully to jesus and Said if I wanted to stay with her, I needed to get, uh, go to church. And so uh, it was one of those churches. And um, And I said, I'll go under two conditions. Number one, if anybody prays in tongues or speaks in tongues, I'm out of there. I don't believe in anything, but I know that's not for today. And Is that two, what you anybody- mean by those churches? Yeah. Yeah, those churches. <laughs> Wild and, uh, and wacky, Holy Spirit filled. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And um, and so and then I said, uh, if and then if anybody rolls in the aisles like you holy rollers do, I'm out of there. Uh, and uh, <laughs> it didn't take long. There was a guest preacher that day who was a missionary to Spain. He came out dressed like a clown. He had a clown hair, a clown hat, flower that squirted water, no makeup thank you, Jesus. He had the nose, uh, he had you know the, the, the whole get up in the shoes, and uh, he came out preaching on a, on a unicycle. And I said, look, a holy roller, let's go. And she said, no, just listen. And he wasn't a very, just to be honest, wasn't a very good preacher. He kept losing his place in his notes, all kinds of things. And and there was the awkward, these awkward moments of silence, uh, a little bit like that. And all of a sudden, this lady, about three rows in front of us, let out in tongues. And the guy on the unicycle interpreted it, said, there's a young man here, you're 26 years old, you've been running from God your whole life. The Lord won't relent, he won't repent. He spoke to you when he was six years old. When you were six years old, spoke to you again three years ago on your grandmother's deathbed, and he's speaking to you again today. He's called you to go around the world preaching the gospel. Wherever you go lies, be touched and changed. And um, I, st- oh I sat there, I sat there and I wept, but I didn't respond. Mm-hmm. And I really believe that every revelation requires a response. And um, mm-hmm. uh, to be honest, uh, the the gal and I were, were married at the time. She divorced me. I was back in and out of uh, mental wards and institutions and uh, just left me. And so the day the divorce was final on uh, January seventeenth, 1997, I, I took 250 prescription pills, uh, painkillers, narcotics, Ambien, sleeping pills, and I laid to down, laid down to die, uh, laid down to die, or so I thought. Nobody knows how it happened, but it ended up in a church twelve miles away from where I was living, in front of a pastor who had just graduated seminary. He was the interim pastor that was just there until the search committee found the pastor they wanted, and I dropped dead in front of him. He called the ambulance. Uh, they came, revived me, resuscitated me. I didn't have any identification. Nobody's ever come forward saying they drove me to the church or anything. Um, don't know how I got there. Uh, but um, I, I dropped it in front of them. They revived me, resuscitated me. I spent two days uh, in a coma. And they finally figured out who I was through fingerprints and got a hold of my mom in Chicago. And um, my mom is 83. And last year, we, for the first time, we told this story together. And uh, we were in a, in a meeting and she said that she sat on the steps uh, of her house in, in Chicago and said, uh, Satan, you can't have my son. God, you gave him to me. I give him back to you. I named him David because I always believed he'd be my little shepherd boy. And I don't know how you do what you do. but I'm asking that you make my son a miracle. I can't say at that exact time, but around that time, a bright light came into the the room and um, Jesus, with these beautiful tears streaming down his face, woke me up and said, son, I won't relent. I won't repent. I've not changed my mind about you. I've called you to go around the world preaching the gospel. Wherever you go, lives we touched and changed. And with tears streaming down his face, he took me to what I call the, the outer banks of hell. I could hear people in agony, people of uh, voices of people that I knew uh, that, had, that had passed away or committed suicide or OD'd or different things. And they were crying out, Wagner, why didn't you tell us this place was real? Um, you went to church twice every Sunday. You went to church every Wednesday. Why don't you tell us this place was real, Wagner? Get us out of here. And uh, Jesus, with tears streaming down his face, he said, if you give me your life, I'll use you to rescue people from this place. Um, all I could tell you is that I, I died empty, but I woke up hungry. I, I died, uh, uh, you know, crazy, but I woke up in my sound mind. And I, I prayed this simple prayer. Uh, I made it up myself, but It was genuine. I just pray God if You can love me when I can't love myself. I'll serve You the rest of the days of my life, and uh, it's it's why I'm here. I had to spend you know four months uh, under court order in the institution, and um, and and all of those things. And uh, I would, uh, but I was in my sound mind, and so people would say you have to own your disease. I said I can't own my disease. Jesus took it, and so they labeled me still as schizophrenic, but also kind of a religious fanatic. And finally, after about four months, I'd gone through electric shock therapies and all, you know, all those things. My memory was almost completely fried. My mom would come and visit and I I would forget she was there and uh, go up and get to the water fountain or to the restroom. And uh, they'd have to come and bring me back because I would forget who was visiting. And um, but the the Lord over time just completely restored. And on Good Friday of 1997, uh, they, they let me out and they said, Wagner, get out of here. We never want to see you again, and uh, that was a really good Friday. I moved into <laughs> a little apartment, and, and I was just so hungry, just so hungry for God that I got up on Easter Sunday, and I went to church eight times. So I went to a sunrise service, and then went to the Baptist, went to the Presbyterians, to the, the Dutch Reform, which was the tradition I was raised in. I, I, I you know, I went to the non-denominational. I found the Pentecostals and the assemblies of God and went to a Russian service. And I didn't speak Russian, went to a Greek service, didn't speak Greek, went to a Spanish service, didn't speak Spanish at the time. And I was just hungry for God. And that, find night I, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, and that night I uh, I came back to my little apartment, turned the TV on and there was a, glo- a man, a short man preaching with a globe spinning. And he was preaching a message in his Texas accent how big is your want to? And he was talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it was John Osteen, Joel's, uh, Joel's daddy. And um, and that night it lit a fire in me about something I had no idea what it was. And it sent me on a journey for 30 days. I went to a noon hour prayer meeting every day for 30 days. Uh, people laid hands on me, prayed for me and nothing happened. And after about uh, 30 days, I was driving back home after one of those meetings And the Lord just whispered, he said, you'll never have to go through man to get what only I can give you anyway. And he filled me with the Holy Spirit. And uh, 11 months later, he spoke to me to move to a place I never heard of called Pensacola, Florida. And so I went. And uh, as I went, all I had was $141 in my pocket in a van that didn't have reverse. And uh, so I went and uh, all I had was the word of the Lord. Sometimes all you have is the word Mm -hmm. of the Lord. But if you have the word Mm -hmm. of the Lord, you have enough. And uh, I I got lost when I got there and uh, I pulled into a subdivision uh, and got turned around. I pulled into a a driveway and opened up the door to push myself out with my foot. And a couple came out named Dan and Carolyn Weaver. And they said, are you David Wagner? So now I'm a thousand miles away to give you perspective. Uh, And they had gone into the city I was living at, walked into a Christian bookstore my friend heard their funny Southern American uh, accent, asked them where they're from. They exchange information, but it was before I had an email or a phone or a page or anything. And uh, that was the driveway I turned around and they invited me to stay with them. I'll fast forward for the sake of time, but I ended up uh, on Valentine's Day. So almost uh, 20, uh, 23 years to the day, Valentine's Day of 98. Uh, I said, Lord, I, I need to know what you have for me or I'm going to go back. He said, what are you going to go back to? I said, exactly. He said, this is your year for Jubilee. And I said, I know it's the year of Jubilee. I don't know what that means. He said, open the phone book. I opened the phone book. And uh, there was Jubilee Church in Pensacola. So I went. When I walked in, there were greeters there named uh, Harold and Barbara Bowling. And when I walked in, they said, welcome to the house that God built. And Harold grabbed my hand. He said, look me in the eye, man of God. And I kept looking away. He said, look me in the eye. And I looked him in the eye. Uh, And he said, um, what's your name? I said, David. He said, you know, you have a call of God on your life. He's called you to go around the world, preaching the gospel, wherever you go, lives will be touched and changed. And uh, I knew that's where God was calling me. Two nights later in a prayer meeting, the pastor stopped me on my way out and said, what's your name? I said, David. He said, you know, you got a call of God on your life. He's called you to go around the world, preaching the gospel, wherever you go, lives will be touched and changed. We had uh, different prophetic ministers would come through the church, and no matter where I was sitting, they would call me out, and give me that same word. And um, also, I was—I was just thankful to be alive. All I wanted to do was was serve in the house of God. That's all I wanted, and so I became the janitor of the church and the cook for the Christian school. And this word kept coming, and uh, I had speech impediments. It wasn't very fun to listen to. And I went with my pastor. Uh, he took me on my first trip with him to Northern Manitoba, Canada, to a, a Cree native uh, reservation. And an hour before the meeting, he said, uh, uh, knocked on the door of my room, and said, David, I heard, I heard God, I believe in the call of God on your life and you're preaching tonight. And I said, but, but I never preached before. And he said, no, I've heard God. and I got it for seven minutes and stuttered and stumbled and lisped. And at the end of seven minutes, I hung my head, so felt like I failed and handed him the mic. And he rescued the thing. And that night he didn't ever addressed it. And the next night, an hour before the meeting knocked uh, on the door again, said, I've heard God, I believe in the call of God on your life. You're preaching again tonight. And I said, but, but, but pastor last night was really, really bad. And he said, I said, what if I fail? And he said, if you fail, then you're going to do it again tomorrow night. Cause the thing I need you to know more than anything else is failures, never final where there's a father. And, um, for the first time in my life, somebody knew what to do with me, or so I thought, first time in my life that I realized my failures didn't define me, and, and, um, Corey Asprey's written a song called The Father's House based on that, uh, on that song, or on, uh, on that encounter, and that, that statement, but that night, a roar came out of me, the speech impediments left, and, um, Wow. I, I still just wanted to just serve God. It was the first time I really ever prophesied or uh, anything happened. And, and, and that night, all five hundred people who lived in that little community, God River, Manitoba, came out, and I was getting prophetic words for people, declaring things over the, the reservation. It was it was a powerful time, oh and, my um, and and um, I just kept, just kept being faithful, serving God, and. Um, And and August 19th of 1999, it was back to school night. We were praying for families uh, at the church on a Sunday night. And uh, for the first time ever, I got a word for every person uh, in line. And my pastor and his son, who's now the senior pastor, looked at each other and said, oh my goodness, David's not a pastor, he's a prophet. And again, they knew what to do with me. And and I was still just happy serving. I was the head usher. I was the greeter. I was the, the cook and the, and the janitor, all of these things. And uh, here's where I'll, I'll, I'll kind of wrap up this, this part, But because it, it has to do with partnering with what God said. Um, and so there is this lady in our church named Sixta McKeel. And she was a wild woman. She had a scar that went from her ear to her throat where she had been in knife fight. She ran with gangs and drug dealers in some of the worst barrios of Panama before she gave her life to Jesus. And um, she uh, came to faith, uh, met a guy at the U.S. Air Force. They moved to America. Revival hit her life in such a powerful way at the the Brownsville outpouring and revival that was taking place in Pensacola. And in the middle of revival, uh, she took on pancreatic cancer. They removed her pancreas. She went completely blind, withered away to about 70 pounds. And and uh, eventually, uh, she she died. She died in the the, the morgue of West Florida Hospital. I was put in the morgue of West Florida Hospital for uh, for nine hours. They brought another body in, saw the sheet moving, and the, the curiosity got the nurse and she uh, pulled the curtain back or the the sheet back, and Sixta opened her eyes and said, Sancocho, por favor, ask for a type of chicken soup from Panama. She, she, died, she died blind, woke up seeing, and for the rest of her life, we have all the medical documentation at our church, but for the rest of her life, her pancreas actually grew back. And at 65, she decided to go uh, to be a missionary in those barrios of Panama, uh, but she was home on furlough, raising some funds, and so she was volunteering and working alongside of me. And She would every day. She would go, David. When are you going to go to Panama? And I would say, six time, never going to Panama. I like America. I like Pensacola. And she said, No. I asked the Lord. The Lord, He said, Yes. And every day, uh, one day, I even told her, I'll go every other country, but I'll never go to Panama. She said, Oh, simply, David I asked the Lord. The Lord, He said, Yes. And and she just she wouldn't stop pursuing me about the call of God about going to the nations and. She would have these encounters while we were cooking and cleaning and serving kids. And she'd fall on the floor under the power of God. And sometimes I think it was it uh, it was uh, uh, it was staged because it always came when I had to clean the dishes, you know. And uh, <laughs> one day she gets up from one of these encounters and she just, she looked different. And she points at me and she goes, I I was on the floor over there and I asked the Lord, why Davy David go nowhere? And he said, you know, I have a passport. And uh, so she grabbed me by my ear and brought me to the office and said, you don't move. And so I sat there and she brought me a passport application and made me fill it out. And I was going to make a mistake. I was going to put a wrong number in. And she said, she also said she started groaning and said, oh, I said, what's wrong with you? She said, "Uh, the Lord said, you're going to make a mistake, but don't worry if you do. And she pulls out a whole stack of applications Said, if you do, you can do it again. And so I filled it out. She grabbed, grabbed me, brought me, threw me in her car. I like to joke and say she committed a felony for the sake of my destiny, but, but she, <laughs> she right. took me to the post office and got my picture taken and, and she paid extra money to to have my passport expedited. It showed up at my house ten days later on February twenty second or February twentieth two thousand and two. My passport showed up at my house, and on February twenty second two thousand and two, I was in Panama for the first time. Been there fifty eight times ministering. Been in wow. sixty eight countries of the earth preaching the gospel, fulfilling Come the on. word of the Lord. I got when I was six. I've uh. been success. I've been successful in a lot of areas, Liz. But there's one thing that I have failed at over and over again, and I'm actually proud of this failure. For 49 years, almost 50 years on the earth, I've tried to talk God out of what he called me to, and I, I, I've never been able to get him to change his mind. I've never been able to get him to change his mind and say, David, you're too stubborn. I'm going to look for another. He, he is so patient and kind. and. Yeah. In 2001, when 9/11 happened, I birthed my ministry walking the streets of of New York City, and as things were just, doors were opening. I asked the Lord what to call it, and He said, "Call it Father's Heart because you'll reveal the heart of the Father yeah. to the to the nations." And so, yeah. uh, I've been married now for for 22 years to my beautiful wife Molly. We have five beautiful kids: a, a daughter who works with me in ministry, helps me with admin, and uh, her name is Era, which means beautiful altar. My son Benjamin is almost twenty-one. He's he's about to get, or he just got married on Saturday, and then Dude, uh, have uh, my son Caleb's nineteen. Joshua wow. uh, is another miracle story. He's fifteen, and Isaac is is twelve. All serving God together, and um, wow. and um, and and so it's a, so it's a beautiful, beautiful thing.
0: Oh and my so goodness!
1: That's that's my story.
0: Oh my goodness! Honestly, David, I'm sitting here crying. <laughs> You are just hope. You are hope. I mean, there's so many things that just listening to you, I could talk to you for hours and so many questions. But for the sake of time, what I want to be able to do is uh, all the time you're speaking, I can feel the Father's love. You know, and there was one thing that is many things you said jumped out at me, but there was one thing when you said, you know, our mistakes don't define us. Our mistakes are not our identity, and and how much you father pursued you with his relentless love, and the fact that so many people, you were just, as a six year old boy, you know, and then your grandma, you know, getting exactly the same words for you, and on and on through your life. Father saying, "I'm never going to get basically, I'm never going to give up on you, son. You're my son. You're my son. You're my son." You're my son. I just think for all the family watching right now, one of the things as you're speaking I feel is father removing insecurity, low self-esteem, doing miracles of the heart, heart surgery, you know, just removing doubt and unbelief. he, he can take care of you in all the massive pain that you were in, but watch over your life, bring forth his intention for your life. There's nobody unreachable, right? There's no situation impossible for him to reach into and completely transform and he is absolutely faithful isn't he to watch over his word to bring it past and just and everything he says to us is completely compelled by his love for us we are his beloved children so I just wanted to ask you in finishing we I don't want to wrap up today's show I could talk to you for hours you'll have to come back but thank you for sharing what you have, you know, being so vulnerable and sharing your life with us, because it really is massive hope for people. Would you pray? Would you just pray and whatever is on your heart for everybody watching now that, um, yeah, I mean, particularly that there would be no insecurity remaining, you know, that that security of the Father's love would be the experience of everybody watching. You
1: know, I think it's really important to know that the Lord's not ashamed of you. He's actually very happy that he created you. Just yesterday, I was just, I was busy, you know, getting caught up in ministry and different things. And the Lord said, I just can't stop thinking about you. And, 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 and it may sound just simplistic, but that's the beauty of who he is. He's, he's always talking. He always wants to share his heart. He knows the plans that he has for us to give us a, a hope and a future. And I feel like there's some people watching and uh, you've been under the stigma of of mental illness, whether it be depression or bipolar disorder or anxiety or uh, or or schizophrenia like I was or or different things. And that stigma and you feel like there's shame connected to it that almost keeps you uh, from connecting to God or even connecting to the body. And I just break that stigma and that fear off of you today. I believe shame, the shackles of shame are being removed right now in the name of Jesus. I believe the Lord is bringing you into your sound mind. It was, he took the crown of thorns upon his head for our sound mind. And the Lord, I don't know where he found you, but he found me in my darkest, lowest place. There wasn't one place he wouldn't, he wouldn't go. He wouldn't search for me. He wouldn't give up. And I just believe right now that this is a season where the Lord Is about to bring many of you out of that valley uh, of low self esteem. The valley of dry bones in Ezekiel 37 literally means the place of lowest esteem. And some of you are in that place. And so I prophesy life into you and the breath of God into you. Even for some people watching today that you feel like you're now disqualified from ministry because you had some kind of moral failure, I break the shame off of that that God is about to turn things around he's about to bring healing and restoration into your lives into your ministry into your marriage i feel like there's some mothers watching that your your child is 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 has become prodigal or seems kind of wild and maybe on drugs or maybe you know, even seem like they're struggling with mental illness Listen, I could not outrun my mother's prayers. I couldn't outrun my grandmother's prayers and I could not outrun the word of the Lord. And so I'm telling you, I saw like prayers like lassos going around sons and daughters today. I feel like there's a young man watching. Your name is Daniel. And Daniel, you've been hearing the voice of God since you were three. And when you heard my story about the Lord speaking to me at six, it was like a light just clicked on. And here's the the phrase I like to use towards myself. I realized I wasn't crazy. I was just prophetic and i just felt like daniel you're not crazy you're just prophetic and the lord is about to bring a healing to you a uh, uh, healing hope to the call of god on your life and this clarity to your mind and i feel like some people watching like this cloud of confusion even an identity issues is being lifted off and you're about to step into the fullness of who jesus really is and the understanding out of that knowledge of who he is into the understanding of who you really are and so in the name of Jesus, I just command healing to come right now from depression and oppression. I command it to be broken off. I feel like somebody watching today, God's healing a liver of, of hepatitis C that has to do with past uh, IV drug use and the Lord's healing that right now in Jesus name. I saw transfusion of the blood of Jesus just flowing through veins right now. In Jesus' name, somebody needs to hear that word I heard over and over again. He won't relent, and he won't repent. He's not changed his mind about you. In fact, he's more convinced that you're going to fulfill what he said over your life today than he's ever been. He's faithful. He's he's long-suffering, but at the same time, he is persistent and confident in what he's called you to do. And so I just speak right now the redemption of time and the healing of hope. Many of you right now, God's healing your hope to give you a new infusion of faith. It's like your faith has fizzled because your your hope is gone. And the Lord is coming to heal hope in so many areas right now. I speak healing into marriages, into physical bodies, into minds. I even speak right now healing into church situations where uh, some people feel like they're in a divided church and the Holy Spirit is going to come and bring unity. I feel like there's a pastor watching and you feel completely deflated. You feel like you have to run for re-election every Sunday with how you're preaching. And the Lord's breaking that fear of of not measuring up off of you. That that thing that tries to to make you perform, he's breaking that off of you. And you're going to really be confident in knowing that you are a man of God, a woman of God, called to be a pastor, a shepherd. And so Jesus the shepherd is going to show up. But I feel the Father's heart right now embracing and enveloping. I felt like the whole time we've been talking Liz, uh, is, is I felt mm-hmm. like God enveloping us with yeah. his heart and with his love, bringing us yeah. in. If yeah. God can use me, he can use anybody. It, it amazes me, surprises me every day. I, I was just teaching a class last night and a young man asked me, he said, David, is every time like still like the first time? And I said, absolutely. I, I, mm-hmm. I never gets old. Every day I see God do something. I'm surprised by Holy Spirit every day. I'm mm-hmm. caught off guard by his love and his pursuit of me on a daily basis. I feel is that this is a season of first loves,
0: that God's yes. bringing
1: us back to first love yes. as the body of christ. and and uh, yes. I could go on and on. I know we're we're out of time. Yeah, but no. I, I just feel right now that yeah. the love of God is just being poured out. It's that thing that compels me, but but he is motivated by you. My favorite Mm. verse. If I could only preach one thing the rest of my life, it would simply be First Corinthians fourteen and one: pursue love. Pursue (laughs) Pursue love. love.
0: Yeah. And
1: when you're pursuing love, love's pursuing you. It's not like a a game of chase, but it's actually a collision that course that we're on, face to face, running, colliding with the love of God, loving, uh, colliding with the love of the Father. And that's yeah. where many people watching today are coming. And so thanks yeah. for letting me on yeah. be on today.
0: Oh, of course. It's been an absolute joy and an honor listening to you. And the presence of God is really thick. You know, just in finishing, family, I encourage you, just stay with Jesus if you can. Switch off this. Listen to this testimony over and over again. It's just, it's so holy, you know, and what what Father does, what Jesus does in one of our lives it's the testimony of Jesus, right, which becomes the spirit of prophecy. It's an invitation for you to step into same Jesus, same Jesus. And absolutely, David, we are everything Jesus has been showing me to. We're being brought back to first love. This year, now, this is the invitation. Come back to first love. Be, let our, him set our hearts on fire again. Let him heal us. And as you were speaking and praying then, I kept seeing people's hearts literally receiving the light, the love of God, and just being exhilarated and intoxicated in the experience of his love. And then I saw ears popping open and eyes seeing and healing happening within people's hearts, within people's bodies and minds. Yeah, and freedom from um, mental torment, just freedom to to be settled and in peace, thinking the thoughts of God, feeling his heart, knowing how safe and secure we are in him, who we are and our value, the immense value. So, David, I don't want to stop talking and listening to you, but we're going to have to stop for today. So, David, thank you so much for being on and family all around the world. Thank you for giving us your time as well today it's um it's been very 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 holy very special and just keep listening over and over soak in the anointing if you can do because it was such a very strong powerful anointing for miracles as david was praying so bless you guys have an amazing week and look forward to being with you again next monday god bless